0: Panther family, what is going on? Welcome to the third season of the Iowa State podcast. I'm your host, Mac, and I am beyond excited for this new season of the show as I have so many amazing guests coming on. However, I'm probably starting it with one of, if not the greatest guests I could ever have on this show, and that is none other than Coach Bill Curry. For those of you that don't know, and shame on you for not knowing, Coach Curry was the first head coach in Georgia State football history and in many people's eyes, including my own, is the godfather of Georgia State football. He was an integral part of bringing football to our great university, and we as a Panther family are honestly forever indebted to him because of that. Um, I won't talk too much longer, though, because I know you guys want to hear from him, so we'll go ahead and get into it. But before we do, I know I thanked you off air, Bill, but I do want to go ahead and thank you again. This is just such a huge honor to have you on, and I'm beyond excited to have this conversation with you.
1: Well, Mac, you're certainly welcome. And Carolyn and I, my, Carolyn, my wife, who is a, a Ph.D. degree holder from Georgia State University, and who is the reason that I was allowed to accept that job, uh, <laughs> we both say thank you to all the Georgia State people, the faculty, the students, especially the students, and most especially the student athletes, and and to you personally uh, for for the desiring to talk to me about that experience that uh, that we had at Georgia State and it was a great experience and I'll never forget it.
0: Oh yeah no I'm incredibly honored and uh you know I know your degree is from tech your your wife's is from Georgia State I, I think I'm gonna have to say that your wife has the better degree but you know I'm a little biased in that in that area so <laughs> well she Uh-oh. thinks
1: so too so I mean that's the end of the end of the argument
0: <laughs> <laughs> right right exactly. Exactly. Um, Cool. So yeah, we will go ahead and get into it. Um, So the first question kind of starting from from the beginning here, you know, you are originally from College Park, Georgia, you played and coached at Georgia Tech. And as I previously mentioned, are, you know, obviously the God's godfather of Georgia State football. So needless to say, Atlanta is in your blood. Um, So kind of explain to us how this city shaped you as a person, and how it helped you reach such personal heights in the sport of football.
1: Well, I, I noticed that when you were kind enough to send me a, a, a list of the questions you were going to ask, and that's a great courtesy, by the way. Um, Atlanta did shape me, and uh, nobody's ever asked me that in my life. Uh, my father, when I was uh, born, was in the United States Infantry. Infantry. Uh, it was during World War II, and uh, he was stationed. At Fort Benning, Georgia; Fort Hood, Texas; uh, and 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 some uh, Fort McClellan in Alabama, all over the place. Uh, but he settled at what is now Woodward Academy. Uh, it was then Georgia Military Academy, and um, he was the boxing, weightlifting, and gymnastics coach. If you go to Woodward Academy today and go look outside the weight room at the plaque. That designates the name of the weight room, it is the Major Bill Curry Weight Room because my dad built it with his hands in the late 40s. Uh, and so that, that's my first memories are of being in College Park. But then my dad took a job at Riches Incorporated, which is right at the time, the big Riches downtown store was just a few blocks from Georgia State. And that experience with him getting on the trolley every day and going to work, became the sporting goods buyer for that great store that so many people celebrated in Atlanta by going there and buying just about everything. Um, That brought me downtown all the time. And going downtown, to me, as a kid, was like going to Disneyland. There was just so much to do. It was so exciting. And Gosh, my daddy was selling... Boats and motors and baseball gloves and and uh, golf clubs, and he had all these celebrities to to come down. He would pr- put on these productions and shows and people would come downtown and just stand in the sporting goods department. And what what happened is that um, that I I came to not just love Rich's the store, which we certainly did, but to love downtown Atlanta. It was vibrant. It was alive. It was, and there were a lot of great stores and a lot of competition. And uh, one of my first jobs was selling shoes at Tom McCann's shoe store right there at Five Points. It's not there anymore. Uh, But but I love coming down downtown Atlanta and Georgia State was to figure in our future enormously when my wife went back there to get her advanced degrees.
0: Oh yeah, uh, that's I'm sorry, continue
1: well that I could go on and on, and I realized I was talking an awful long time, and we <laughs> have a limited time frame here, but i could I could talk about coming to downtown Atlanta. i could I could tell stories about just that things that happened virtually all good things um by us having the capacity to come downtown and sort of having a base at Riches Incorporated to go out to the Rialto theater, to great movies or Lowe's grand. And, and some of those things that, and I mean, I mean, Gone with the Wind debuted at Lowe's grand theater and people think it was the Fox theater, but it wasn't. And once in a great while, we'd get to go to the Fox theater and that great organ would come up out of the floor. Well, that was the most magic thing you could imagine as a little kid. So, uh, um, the reason I stopped is because I don't want to use up all our time talking about <laughs> that question. I got
0: gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Um, well, yeah, no, obviously, thank you for sharing that with me. And I would guessing part of your you know, youth coming to downtown Atlanta probably influenced you to go to Georgia Tech for your academics and your athletic career uh, to further it. So. Um, so, yeah, no, that's that's really cool. And I obviously was not aware that your dad, you know, owned that that department store and just incredible. So that's, that's awesome. Um, and I, I've, no, I, didn't really say, I didn't
1: say he, I didn't say he owned the department store. He, oh, I'm he sorry. Just worked, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He worked I'm, at Rich's, the yeah. Rich and the Rich family and, and the corporation owned the store, but they were, they were wonderful people to work for. And we just, we love the, the family feeling in riches, and so did everybody else in Atlanta, but there were people that wouldn't buy anything anywhere else. So uh, it was, a, it was a kind of a family thing, but, but you no, know, my father didn't own it.
0: <laughs> okay. Gotcha. I'm sorry. M- mis- misheard that. Um, so yeah, no, we, we, we will, we'll move on to the next question. that has to do with a little bit more football and I I kind of get, that's what you're getting at. Maybe, maybe the conversation needs to lean a little more towards that. Um, so yeah, your playing career in the NFL was nothing short of prolific for those of pe- for those of my listeners that may not know, uh, you won multiple multiple Super Bowls, NFL championships, multiple Pro Bowls, an all-pro player. You were also surrounded by some of the all-time greats in the sport, you know, coached by Vince Lombardi and Don Shula and, you know, played under quarterbacks like Johnny Unitas and Bard Starr. Um, so I can imagine those guys were constantly oozing with wisdom and knowledge of of everything, not just football. So what were some of the bigger lessons that you learned from some of these guys that, you know, were around you during your playing career? And how did you use that to kind of help you have your own successful coaching career?
1: Another great question. Um, And yes, those, those people you mentioned, each was a great human being and a great, how shall I say, a great leader in his category, whether he was a coach or a quarterback or what have you. But there were other great leaders that had an even bigger impact on me because uh, when I went to the Green Bay Packers, it was 1965, they had 20 rounds in the NFL draft, and I was the 20th selection of the Packers. I was the last guy taken. The Packers were already being called the greatest team in the history of pro sports. They had won two world championships, and they were just about to win three more in a row. two of which were Super Bowls, or called Super Bowls retroactively. Um, but that was not my biggest problem. And Vince Lombardi was not anything like Bobby Dodd, my great college coach. I was I was lucky enough to have him for my college coach. Um, and um, but But Vince Lombardi was not my biggest problem. My biggest problem is that I had never been in a huddle with an African American person. Think about that. Jim Crow laws were so horrible, and we've got some people that would love to bring them back right now, except in competitive sport, except in competitive sport. Um, We didn't have a chance to play with guys that looked different from us. So I walk in that locker room, and and Lombardi, yes, he he had a very interesting personality. It was tough to work for, but he had great attributes as a coach Uh, But the greatest of all is that he would not tolerate racism. If you were racist and you were talking racist things in that locker room, you were gone within a week. And everybody noticed your locker was empty. The guy was gone. You just didn't do that. You didn't talk down about women, about people that were gay, about anybody. There was no. Prejudice on Vince Lombardi's team, and that was—I had never experienced that in my life. So I walk in there and hear all these great, big African American guys. They—they can fly. They're tough. They're smart. Um, and I figured they they just hurt me and send me home. I really did. Uh, why would they put up with somebody like me? And I—and I—I didn't want to be racist. I didn't want to say anything stupid, but I did. And I thought the minute I say something stupid, somebody's going to slap me upside the head and again, try to get me dropped from the team. And they did just the opposite, just the opposite. I was walking out of the dorm one night at St. Norbert's College, and I was so so terrified. It was, we were in West De Wisconsin, St. Norbert College, it's August and it's 43 degrees, and that ain't right. I mean, everything was strange and alien, and, I'm, I'm, and our defensive captain was the great Willie Davis from Grambling State University. He was working on his master's degree in business at the University of Chicago while being the captain of the greatest football team of all time. Think about that for a minute. So I'm walking out into the darkness, and this voice comes from behind me and says, Bill, I thought it was God. I just sat down on the grass. <laughs> but it was Willie Davis. I said, he said, I'd like to speak to you, young man. And I said, oh, no, he's going to tell me to get lost. Um, that's not what he did. He said, I've been watching you at practice, Bill, and I really like your effort. And I think you've got a chance to make our team. And I'm going to help you. I said, you're going to help me? He said, yeah. He said, well, Lombardi is screaming profanity in your face and spitting in your eye. And he did. And when Ray Nishke, the middle linebacker, is tearing your head off and breaking your nose, and you don't think you can take it another minute, and he did, he said, when that happens, you come find me, and I'll get you through it, get you through it. Now, that is a leader. That is a teammate. And that's one reason nobody could beat those pack. I also noticed that nobody could beat us. That was fun. It was fun to run on the field and know the other team doesn't have a chance. And they know <laughs> it. They already know they don't have a chance. And so those guys, what, what does that mean? That means that everybody that walks in that locker room who earns a spot on the team knows one thing for sure. I'm here because I belong here, because I earned it, not because of the color of my skin or who I voted for or what my religion is or where I came from. I'm here because I belong. That's what it meant. And that's why it was almost impossible to beat those guys. And it was a joy to be a part of. Then I end up getting pushed around the league and I end up in Baltimore, same kind of atmosphere. And nobody could beat us either most of the time. So uh, if you want to win... You want, if you want to really get things done in a team sport, you start with it with having no prejudice.
0: I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's, uh, you know. I'll, by the way,
1: yeah. by the way, let me say this, Mac. Of that's course. what we built. That's what we built our teams on at Georgia State. That's what we tried to teach. And uh, virtually all, mo- most of our guys got it. There were a few that didn't, but, but most of the guys picked up exactly what we were trying to teach.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. I think that's uh it's one it's beautiful and two it's it's exactly correct and um you know I think even outside of you know sports and athletics having you know a no prejudice mindset is exactly how you can accomplish amazing things in this world so I I couldn't agree with you more so that's well it is. And is
1: it it is also uh, the right way to treat human beings exactly
0: exactly that's awesome that's awesome you know I actually as a huge football fan, I, I've watched a bunch of stuff on Lombardi, and uh, even read a book, and never realized he was actually that that type of person. So that's that's very very cool to hear. So thank you for sharing that for sure. Um, but as you kind of mentioned with Georgia State, we will segue into uh, what what everybody uh, why, why why you're here, uh, Coach Curry. Um, so you know, obviously, as I said, you were an integral part of the birth of. Georgia State football and, you know, arguably the largest because of of the name and what you were able to kind of bring with with that. Um, But I'm very curious. When did it start to become, you know, a reality? Right. When did it start to become more more clear that football at Georgia State University is something that could actually be done and be done at a high level?
1: We always had connections with Georgia State people because of my dad's business. Uh, at, at riches there were connections and I can think of specific individuals I'm not going to start calling names because I might get some wrong this is this is like when I'm like 10 years old so I'm not going I don't I'm not even going to tell you how long ago that was. <laughs> that was a long time ago but we always had affection for Georgia State and appreciation for what Georgia State uh, accomplished. My wife's father, came back after the service, after serving in the, in the air, it was then called the, the Army Air Corps. Was, of course it's the Air Force now, but when, when he came back, he, he used the GI Bill and he graduated from college only because he could go to Georgia state to night school and he got his degree and she watched him go to school every night. And, and when he would come home and study, she would do her studying and she ended up being a great scholar which she still is, by the way. And Georgia State had a big hand uh, because uh, when our children got to be school age, she wanted to go back and get her advanced degrees. And by the way, the reason I went to Georgia Tech uh, in college uh, was not the reason that you thought because of downtown Atlanta. It's because it was the closest campus to Agnes Scott College. And guess who was going to be at Agnes Scott College? Carolyn Newton was going to be at Agnes Scott so I wasn't going far from her, and uh, <clears throat> she didn't know it yet, but she was going to marry me, and, <laughs> and we celebrated our 60th anniversary last December.
0: But Congratulations!
1: She, and, and she would not go back to school to get her advanced degrees until our kids got school age. Once they went to school, and she had several hours during the day that she was, she didn't uh, that they were in school, she could. The only way she could do it was, uh, she said she was going to go to Georgia State and major in 1040. And so we all said, well, Carolyn, what's 1040? What what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> she said, what that means is I can take the children to school, drive to Georgia State, whatever the history graduate department is offering at 1040 a.m., that's what I take. And so she did that for 14 years. She never made a B. She was the outstanding student in the graduate history program, which by the way is a great program. And she earned her master's and her PhD only because of the existence of Georgia state university. So when I was approached with this job thing, I had promised her I would never take another coaching job promise. And I meant it. I said, "Uh, honey, you need to sit down. Something amazing has happened. And uh, she said, well, what's that? And I said, well, it looks like I may have an opportunity to help start football at Georgia State and be the first head coach. She said, let's see here now. I don't have to move. She's moved 34 times. Uh, <laughs> it's my it's my school. These are her words. She, she thought about another 30 seconds, and then she said, let's do it. And that's how we started. And she was by my side every step of the way, the way she always has been.
0: I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, as, as you're saying that, I was like, you know what, maybe I need to get Carolyn on. Maybe maybe I need to interview Carolyn next time. <laughs> oh, you'd
1: love it. She'd be a great interview.
0: Oh, yeah. No, that's She's a lot smarter.
1: She's a lot smarter than I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, I could say that about my spouse as well. So I know, I know the feeling. <laughs> um, so that that's that is incredible. Um, you know, I I, I had to say that's so funny that you're like, I'll never coach again. And I'm sure that was something that, you know, you guys kind of had to make that agreement on. And they're like, I think I could be the coach at Georgia State. And she's like, oh, yeah, let's do it. That's that's pretty fun. So that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so kind of moving down the timeline a little bit, the first game in Georgia State football was um, on September 2nd, 2010, and we beat Shorter University 41-7. to um, Sellout crowd in the Georgia Dome. It was an incredible environment. Um, but, you know, I have to ask for someone like yourself who, as a player and a coach, were involved in so many large games so many important games how did that game and what it meant and the result of that game and everything how did that compare to you know some of these other big games that you've been involved in as as a coach and player
1: no oh, it's it's right uh, at the top of the list um it's equal to super bowls and that may sound strange when you th- Think about all the preparation that a, that a person has to do to be on a team and then get through the nfl schedule and earn the way to the super bowl but for georgia state um, we didn't just throw the ball out there and start playing we we had from um, the middle of 2008 all the way through 2009 all the way around to september of 2010 that we were working and practicing, uh, not just practicing football, but practicing how to find Working on how to build a uh, locker room. We didn't have a practice field, um, and we didn't. We certainly didn't have a game field, and we had all kinds of barriers that were that were thrown in our path. And um, I will never ever forget the greatness of the Georgia State students. A school where the president, Dr. Noah Langdale, who was a great football player himself at Alabama years before, Dr. Langdale used to say, Georgia State will never have football. We don't need football. And God rest his soul, he was a good friend. But by golly, Georgia State has football now. And it's not because of Bill Curry. And it's not because it's not even because of that first round of players who came there and every single one of them came as an act of faith. Yes, they deserve a lot of credit, but the whole student body got behind us, and that's that's the feeling I remember on that September second night, two thousand ten. I will never ever forget that. I can get emotional just thinking about it because that was not just a football game.
0: Oh yeah, it was a, it was a, a cultural movement, you know, adding adding football to this university. That, as you mentioned, you know, it's the students showed up when i uh, had interviewed someone previously about it when they were talking about the it bring on they mentioned that the students had to vote on whether or not they wanted like the athletic fees to be added to their tuition and whatnot so you know the students did uh, play a huge role in, in bringing football to to georgia state so that's that's very very true it wasn't
1: just a huge role it was a, it was an absolutely essential role i mean we would not have been able to go purchase the land to start to to build a practice field uh, over there off of MLK unless the students voted to increase their athletic fee no student body ever votes to increase their student <laughs> athletic fee nobody right. does that but the georgia state young people did and it was it just blew my mind i'm i'm so grateful and um i wish we had played every game the way we played that night <laughs> my job was to get our guys to to play like that all the time. And I didn't get that done. I wish I had, that's one of my big regrets because we were good enough to win more games than we won. But that that's the
0: football discussion. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And Hey, you know that keep keeping that energy for an entire season. You know, I, I know as a coach you're going to say I should have, should have had done that for the players, but um, you know, it's kind of hard to keep that momentum going, going an entire season. So uh but you know, it's still still nonetheless an amazing season. We still finished at six and six. You know, to to end five hundred with a first ever first year program like that. I mean, I, I I'm still incredibly proud of that result. So, um, so yeah, again, we'll we'll move on here. Kind of moving down the timeline a little bit. Um, you announced your retirement from coaching right before the start of the 2012 season. You know, after putting 20 years into coaching, and as you mentioned before. Um, already stopping, and then telling Carolyn you're getting back into it. I, I can imagine it wasn't, you know, the easiest decision to 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 make. Um, uh, but looking back, what would you say you are the most proud of for your time at Georgia State, and what what do you feel like when you you know hang your hat on? What what is it at the end of the day for for Georgia State?
1: Every single player. Every single student athlete who came to be a part of our program, whether it was to come to be a uh, somebody that played on the team or whether it was somebody that was going to work in the locker room or in the training room because we had an awful lot of very important people who weren't going to ever catch a football or line up on the field or put shoulder pads on that were critical to our program. The academic counselors that joined us, everybody pitched in. And I am so proud of each other, and I'm so thrilled. And if you ask me the result that that excites me the most, it is that virtually all those guys on our team and the people, the, the ladies and the men that worked in our program that were students all graduated. Uh, it wasn't a hundred percent, but it was close. And I'm, I, um, bugged them about it every time and if i see one now i'll ask you did you did you graduate i asked a guy yesterday did you graduate and he said coach i wasn't on your team i was just came around and lectured to your team i said oh i thought you were one of our players i <laughs> want to make sure you graduated." he said no i was a teacher so I, that i was embarrassed that i i didn't remember that but i'm, I'm most proud of that but I'm, I'm also the idea of georgia state i mean it's it's one of the largest universities in the United States of America. More minority more minority students graduate from Georgia State than any other university in America other than HBCU schools. That is incredible. Um, and for Georgia State to be out there so that the public understands and knows that, here we, that we are in downtown Atlanta and we're alive, and for them to get a chance to go to a really beautiful stadium, that now has Georgia State's name on it. And then the thing I think that choked me up the most was watching an inauguration of the president, one of the presidential inaugurations, and there's the Georgia State band marching down Pennsylvania Avenue playing the Georgia State fight song, which did not exist until the football team came along. And here they were. I was so thrilled and uh, thought well by golly we've made a difference
0: oh yeah oh yeah and I know you know how it goes you you on your end you're going to kind of downplay what what level of importance you played in all of that for our our great university but I, I I meant when I said us as a Panther family we are truly forever indebted to you and your wife Carolyn as well for um being such advocates for for Georgia State University so can't can't ever thank you enough for that so but um, we well, always will be. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So okay, Bill, we'll we'll, we'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, wrap, wrap wrap up the interview on this. Um, since your time at Georgia State and even before it, you have been an author, an educator, and a motivator. Most notably, covering football and your faith. Um, would you say it's more challenging delivering a pregame speech or speaking in front of thousands about life's trials and tribulations?
1: Oh, it's a a lot easier to talk to a whole bunch of people sitting out there uh, staring at you from folding chairs in a coliseum or something. It's easier to talk to thousands of people than it is to really, really seriously communicate with 40 or 50 um, teenage males that are taking a knee and they're looking up in your eyes and you're getting ready to take them on the field in Tuscaloosa against the University of Alabama. That's a that's tough duty because you don't wanna say something stupid and you don't wanna <laughs> act like you know everything. It's a very fine line. And I, I remember very, the, the most overrated thing in all of football is the pregame speech and the halftime speech. Those are, <laughs> they usually don't amount to much. But it's you. The coaches just agonize, including yours truly, agonize over what am I going to say to to our guys today? And uh, so it, the answer to your question is another great question. It's a lot harder to say something meaningful uh, pregame.
0: Okay, okay. You know, I honestly i i feel like I was thinking it may be in the thousands, but it makes a lot more sense. It's probably a little little more difficult given that pregame speech. Um, so that's that's great. Thank thank you for sharing that. So last last question, uh I know I said we'll get you out of here on that previous one, but I I didn't realize I had one more for you. Um so for someone who's already offered so much, not only to Georgia State, but every school that you coached at and and every person that you've talked to in these auditoriums as you just mentioned, um for someone that's offered so much and shown such selflessness, how are you able to continue to give back so much and just, you know, be this advocate for so many things for all the people around you i just as someone who is, is getting a little older in my years i you know this is a little less football related and a little more life life related and i just you know I've, I've the more i read on you you just seem like you've always given so much back and i've just got to know how how do you do that at the, end of the day how do you how do you how do you give so much back
1: well thank you um i don't have any choice <laughs> uh i think god has sent so many wonderful people into my life, starting with Carol and my wife, our children, Bill Jr. and Kristen, Dr. Kristen Hunter, our our daughter and our seven grandchildren. And some of them weren't born when we were at Georgia state, but the ones who were, were always at the games, always wanted to come down on the sideline. And, um, I think, when God gives so much to an individual, then that individual has an obligation to give it back and to give it back in as many ways as possible. And I've certainly have not been a model citizen. I wish I had, but I've given all that I can. I've given the best I could in every scenario. And uh, I hope somebody has been helped. That's my prayer.
0: Well, hey, I I can speak for all of Panther family when it at least comes to the bare minimum of giving us a football team to cheer for. You have certainly helped us all. So I can't again, can't thank you enough for that. And um, as I said, I promise I'll get you out of here on that. So we'll go ahead and wrap up the interview Uh, before I let you go, though. Again, I just have to thank you one more time for giving me some time this afternoon. It was a huge honor to have you on and and be able to get to know you more and um, would definitely love to have, you know, future conversations down the road if we can, for sure.
1: Well, it's my honor, Mac, and I'll be happy to come back on with you. You keep up the great work.
0: I most certainly will. Uh, Thank you again, Bill. And as always, go Panthers.
1: Go Panthers.